Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. It is so good to see you all this morning. Uh, We are starting a new sermon series, and it's called The Move of God. And it's a very uh, peculiar name, but it's really built out of this idea that God is moving. Right now, God is moving, and he is about to change someone's life globally. He's about to heal someone's life. God is in the midst of doing something in a business where he's gonna transform that business. God is in neighborhoods where he's gonna radically transform that neighborhood. God is taking lives and transforming lives. God is taking people who are sick and he's gonna have them healed. God has people who have mental challenges and he's gonna make them in their right mind. God is transforming, and so here's what you have to understand. God is right now about to make a move. He's about to make a move. He's he's got a plan. And, And so when God makes a move, what happens is God, for some reason, decides to use people to make that move. Now, God could use clouds. He could move rocks. He could move mountains. He could put his name in the sky. He could speak from heaven. But for some reason, God decides to use people to make his move. When you look in the scriptures, thousands of years ago, we see that there was a small camp of peasants. They were people of no power, slaves. Some were tax collectors. Some were Pharisees. But none of them were of high esteem in the government. And this small camp of people 2,000 years ago would one day be known for turning the world upside down. It wasn't because they were highly educated. It wasn't because they had economic power. It wasn't because they had intellectual power. What happened in their lives is God wanted to make a move, and he chose these people. But here's what you have to understand. When God makes a move, he first moves into people. The Bible says of Othniel, I know everybody's favorite Bible hero is Othniel, right? (laughs) Othniel in the book of Judges. And I, I choose that because in the book of Judges, this happens again and again. Othniel was the, was the younger brother of Caleb. And it says of Othniel, it says in verse 10, the spirit of the Lord was upon him and he judged Israel and he went out to war and the Lord gave him Cushan Rithaim, king of Mesopotamia. You can't say it regularly. You got to say it like that. And the Lord prevailed. Now listen, God moved in to Othniel, transformed his life. And when he moved into Othniel, God then used Othniel for his next move. 
Othniel is not a name you remember. It's not a name you think about. It's one of the small names in the Bible, but he did something big for God. And you too can have a name where God uses you for his next move. God wants to move in, transform your life. And then if a business is gonna transform, if a neighborhood is gonna transform, he wants to use people. And he wants to use you and I. In this moment, we have to ask ourselves, do I wanna, do I wanna join God in what he is doing? Do I wanna be a part of his next move on earth? Do I wanna have God, I wanna participate with him in whatever he has happening in the earth? I believe you do. But in order for that to happen, if you want to be a part of God's next move, what we have to understand is you first must see him as someone to be followed as Lord and master. So, so what that means is I will go wherever you want me to go. And I will say whatever you want me to say, because once you're going to see in the book of Acts, it's not a bunch of people asking God where they can go next. It's God telling them where to go. And they end up sitting with people they would never sit with, talking with people they would never talk to, doing things they would never do. But what happens is when the people of God get submitted to his next move, revival happens. Transformation happens in cities, in businesses, and in families. So you have to first see him as master and Lord. My wife and I, um, for our 20th anniversary, we went on a cruise. It was a wonderful time. And we hung out and we had great food on this cruise. And there was this woman there and she was just typing, 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 typing. And I was wondering, like, why is she doing work right now? And so she's typing, 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 typing. And all of a sudden, she's like, oh, did you go over to this restaurant? She's like, it's got the best deals. It's got the best deals. You ought to go over to that restaurant. And then she says, oh, 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 this cruise comes back, and it goes to other places, too. You ought to go. You ought to go. And so she keeps telling us all these different ideas and things that we can do. She's like, do you want to go to Greece? I know people in Greece. I will get you into Greece. Have you ever been to Try Singapore. You ought to go to Singapore. And she starts telling us about all these incredible places. And we're like, we, we'd like to go. She's like, because she's, she's, like, she's like, I can get you into those places because I'm a travel agent. And so I sit here. And so I'm actually at work right now. I'm testing out all these places to hook people up, to get them deals, to go to all the places they want to go. Would you like to go? I was like, I want a travel agent. I'd like to go there. I'd like to go to Singapore. I'd like to go to Greece. I'd like to go to Rome. Rome. I want to go to all these places. And sometimes we treat God as if he's our travel agent. And we put first our agenda before the kingdom's agenda. And so we're like, I'd like to go and be put on platforms. God, hook me up, open doors. I'd like a package deal. I'd like to do like three or four things. And what ends up happening is we only experience some of God's move because we are partially submitted. But if the people of God, listen, if the people of God would decide before I am anything else, I am a witness of the king, and I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do, and I will be uncomfortable for the king because it is in your discomfort that you will feel the greatest experience of his power.
We cannot follow someone on a Calvary road and expect that it is a road like a red carpet where we are on, we're in the light and we're taking poses. Rather, it's a life of dying to self. These things aren't always preached on social media because what they're trying to do is inspire you to go to a higher you. But this is the kind of preaching, and I'm not bigging up myself, I'm just saying this is what the word of God is telling us. John said, I got to decrease for you to increase. And that kind of preaching is not going to be the thing that always has you walk away excited, but it will have you walking away submitted. I must decrease that he might increase. I've got to change less of me, more of you. And the world, listen, the world changed because the people of God decided I am going to be fully aligned with God's will above anything else. That's how you join God in his move. And God is moving right now. He's moving in industries. He's moving in the theater industry. The writer's strike hadn't stopped God. He's moving in the theater industry. He's moving in businesses. He's, he's moving in tech. He's moving in the sports industry. He's moving in gyms. He's moving. He's moving. He's already moving. You just have to take your stand, sandals off and know you're standing on holy ground. He's moving. The question is not, will God work? The question is, will you join God in his work? He's already working where you're like, I wonder if God can do this. God can do it. The question is, will we be a part of it? And so what we see here in the book of Acts are a bunch of people who had no influence, but they were greatly influenced by the Holy Spirit. And that, listen, it changed the world. So too it can be with us. And so too it can be with you individually when you decide I will be fully aligned with the king. Amen? Amen. Look in the book of Acts with me, Acts chapter 1. For the five of you, now, now I'm on the floor, I can see who has Bibles. My, my mom, my mom. My mom is like, why y'all don't bring Bibles to church no more? I ain't got to charge my Bible up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So understand that first the author here is Luke, <clears throat> and he is writing to someone that is unknown. Theophilus, it's, it's presumed who he may be, but we don't know who he is. But what we do know is Luke, Dr. Luke, he took meticulous time to get the details of Jesus's life. That's why it's everything he began to do and teach. But what you have to understand is the way that the Bible was written, it was written on paper. And the way that Luke wrote this is he literally wrote two volumes of the same book. So you would be right if you called the book of Luke, Luke Acts, or the book of Acts, Acts Luke? No, Luke Acts. But it's really one account in two volumes. 
So because of that, he is referencing Luke, but in reality, it's really the same story. It's a continuation of what Jesus was doing. And so what he goes on to say in verse two is, until the day he was taken up, he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse three, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, it's very important that what Luke is doing here is he's saying that we all know that Jesus died and he rose again from the dead. And the picture he's painting is this book of Acts is a post-resurrection account of Jesus. So he starts the book off talking about the reality that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. But I want you to notice two things that happened. The first thing is it says that Jesus was walking around for 40 days giving proof of life. For 40 days, a resurrected Savior was walking around and he was doing things like going to Thomas saying, just touch the nails, touch, touch the scars on me. I, I really did die. I really did rise again from the dead. So Jesus, listen, his last 40 days on earth, he thought it was important to prove that he had risen from the dead. But what he proved through showing his body was not the main, listen, it was not the main subject of his preaching. What did he preach about? What he preached about was the kingdom of God. He had 40 days, one subject. And that one subject he kept going back to was the kingdom of God. And I think it's instructional that if I felt like I only had about a month to live and I kept talking about one thing, that I would presume that that one thing is of first importance to me and what I want to leave with people. And so Jesus keeps talking about the kingdom of God. Now, I love Jesus because Jesus is not me. Because if it was me, what I would preach about the last 40 days was the fact that I rose from the dead. No, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be like, man, so I was on the cross. And I was like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then I went down and it was crazy. I was, in, I was, I was three days. I was kind of in hell. Or I don't want to get into that. But then I came back and I was like, oh, and I was like, y'all know who you are. I would keep telling the same stories. I mean, wouldn't you do that if you rose from the dead? My last month would be the highlight reel of how I rose from the dead. But his last month was about proving he rose from the dead, but preaching of the kingdom of God. So if you, if you have a month to live and you preach about one thing, then it's so important for us to understand. I need to understand that one thing he preached about. The kingdom of God, the word kingdom, the, the Greek word speaks to rule. So the kingdom of God is the rule of God, the authority of God. Now, the kingdom of God can be understood in two ways. There is a kingdom that is physical, and that is what you would see through the kings, David and the other kings. It was, it's really the rule of God through a human mediator, a physical kingdom. 
but then there is a spiritual kingdom that he is speaking of. And this spiritual kingdom is a kingdom where Jesus transforms the hearts of men and women and invites them into relationship with the king. And he felt it was appropriate for people to understand that the kingdom of God, though the king was leaving, the kingdom of God would still be on earth. Jesus would speak of the kingdom often. John 18 and 36, (laughs) Jesus is arrested with Pilate and Pilate is trying to intimidate him and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. So he's trying to say my kingdom is not physical and material, it's spiritual. And if it was, we would be at war right now. Jesus, when he would preach, he would say, blessed are you. The kingdom of God is yours. If Jesus were to heal, he would say, the kingdom of God has come upon you. One of the things that he trained his disciples to do is when they went out, he would say, he would say, say to them, the kingdom of God is near you. One of the things that he wanted them to know is that their power was actually from the king. And he is actually saying, that with the birth of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, it was the inauguration of a kingdom. But it was not the consummation of the kingdom. The consummation of the kingdom would one day be where we are with him in heaven. And everything is transformed. The line is laying down with the lamb. There's, we study war no more. Everything is transformed. But, but that's not, we're not in the consummation. Everything, we're not in a physical reality. But spiritually, God's people are still here, offering an invitation into the kingdom. And so Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, he says something instructional for us. It says, he departed and went to a desolate place. And when the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them, he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns. Watch this, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus is saying even more than just the resurrection. My purpose is for people to see and experience the kingdom of God. He says, this is my purpose. So I want you to know what they did. They said, Jesus, stay in this town. He says, I can't stay in this town because the kingdom message is on the move. There are other cities, other towns, other people, other businesses, other doctors, other lawyers that we are inviting into the kingdom. So I can't stay where I am because there are other people that need to experience the kingdom. And he, guess what he said? That's my purpose. Now watch this. You will be a part of the move of God when you say, that's my purpose. My purpose is not this city. I, I, Brooklyn is wonderful, but Brooklyn is in the hand of God. Why are you here? Why are you in the industry you are in? 
Why are you in the business you're in? Why are you in the family you are in? That is not your purpose. And when you make it your purpose, you will find out it will never fill your heart or fill your soul, but the kingdom can fill your heart. The kingdom. The kingdom of God is expansive. Romans says it is filled with joy and love. The kingdom of God is huge. But I got, you got to understand, the king is not satisfied with just you in one place. He wants to keep moving because he's on the move. He's on the move in neighborhoods and relationships. He's on the move. And so he has a kingdom message. He says it goes from town to town, from house to house. He says, I can't stay where I am. And I wonder if you have that same posture. I can't stay where I am. I gotta, I gotta grow, I gotta go, I gotta move. Not so I can just be a billboard artist. Not so I can just make another level or a platform. God has more of a message he wants from my life. And he has more people he wants to affect. And so I gotta keep moving, I gotta keep growing, I gotta keep going. He says I can't stay in that same place. What he's trying to get them to eventually understand that there will be an ascended king, but a very present kingdom. And that present kingdom is the message of God's people. Verse four and five, it says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now Jesus is speaking to the disciples in Acts. And what he says is, wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus is going to tell them in the next verse, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Is, this thing is going to move. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit's got a message that's going to be global. It's going to be amazing. But before he says anything about the movement of the Holy Spirit and what God's going to do, he says, don't you dare leave Jerusalem. Don't leave your hometown unless you've been equipped with the Holy Spirit. He says, don't, let me translate this. Don't you dare enter into ministry and try to preach God's message without God's presence. He says, if you want to be about kingdom things, you need the king because he's about the kingdom. He is the king. Don't you dare leave Jerusalem. Don't you dare try to go to another level in an industry without the presence of the king because you will be operating by your own power and your own strength. Don't depart Jerusalem. Wait, wait, wait for what? The Holy Ghost. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And in waiting on the Holy Spirit, they would be clothed with power. I think this is such a powerful picture of almost like Exodus in reverse. In the book of Exodus in chapter 33, at the top of the chapter, uh, the Lord tells Moses, Moses, y'all going to go over to the promised land and I'm going to send an angel with you. And a few verses later, Moses says, uh-uh, I ain't going to go with no angel. I want to go with you. I don't want the promised land if I ain't got you. Because if I have the promised land without your presence, what do I really have? And I find it instructional that Moses didn't want to be in the promised land, even with an angel, but rather 
He'd like the presence of God to go with him. I think that's an instructional message for us. Because he says, I don't want the promised land without your presence. And what is our temptation? Much of our temptation is, what if I didn't have the obligation of God, but I got the blessings of God? Let me preach that a different way. If you could have the promised land without the presence of God, would you still want the promised land? See, you have a promised land in your mind, in your heart, a promised land, a place that you, oh, this is the ideal place. This is the ideal thing. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to have all my things. I'm going to have everything I've ever wanted. But if you could have everything you ever wanted, but subtract the presence of God, would you still want it? It tells you everything about you and God. And what he says is, I do not want the promised land without the presence of God. And what Jesus is saying is, don't, don't try to do anything out there without me. Me, me and you. My intimacy with you is the priority of your life. It's the most important thing of your life. You walk out the house and you say, I don't have my degrees, I don't have my looks, I don't have my, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have the network, I don't have the people, I, you know, I don't, I, don't know the, I don't know the right people, I don't have the right job, but if you have the presence of God, you have everything. And we just need to start getting into who we have, not what we don't have. And he says, listen, listen, I want you to understand, he did not tell them to go get training. He did not tell them to go, hey, go back and go, go read. He didn't even say that. He says, just wait for the Holy Spirit, and that will be the equipment for what you need next. And I want you to know that the move of God is attached to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Explosive things happen when the Spirit of God gets hold of you. Oh, but disruptive things happen too. His power is disruptive. He disrupts your agenda so that you can go into a business and disrupt the agenda. He disrupts your plan. But when he disrupts your plan and you get a part of his plan, miracles happen. Power happens. So look, look at what he says. He says in verse uh, six, no, I'm sorry, rather, oh, so they hear that. They're like, well, wait for the Holy Spirit. Okay. In verse six, they say, they came together, and I love that. They kind of conspired together. They said, hey, Lord, will at this time you restore the kingdom? Does it say the kingdom of God? What does it say? The kingdom to Israel. Now, um, you know, you can spend a lot of time beating the disciples up for this, but they, they really have a relevant question. If you were to look in the book of Ezekiel and Isaiah and Joel and Zechariah, whenever the spirit of God was being entertained as something that was going to affect all mankind or all God's people, it was the consummation of the kingdom. So what they thought was, I'm hearing about the spirit of God, I presume that Israel, which is an oppressed minority in its own city in Jerusalem, we will now take over the kingship and we will go from being oppressed to being in, in leadership. We will take back over our nation. And it is an important note that 
We beat the disciples up for this, but I think it's important to understand. When you are oppressed, that means you do not have the kind of control you would like. You have to do what other people say do. And they were an oppressed minority, and what they were actually asking is, Jesus, can we take back control over our lives and our city again? Can we see things work like we thought they would work? And so I want you to understand that Jesus does not rebuke them for that question. In other words, he says, I understand that you want to see this city back in the order of having King David back on the throne. You want to see Jerusalem being led by a Jew, a lover of God. I understand that. But what he says is, it's not for you to know the times, verse 7, times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. This was a burgeoning question because they were oppressed and they were beat down by Roman authority. He did not rebuke them for the question, but he essentially says, y'all, there's some things we're just not going to know right now. And that's not for you in this season to know. God has fixed time. He has structured time. He has a plan. And there's some things you're not going to know about the plan. Do not let the mysteries of God's plan in your life distract you from the kingdom mission. Because sometimes we're like, what's the plan? Well, I ain't going, I ain't going, until you tell me the whole plan, I'm not going to join your plan. And sometimes the mystery, the weights that you felt, the pains that you have felt keep you from progress in doing kingdom work because you're waiting on an answer for some things. And what the Lord tells him, them is what he tells you. Y'all, there's some things we ain't going to know. Some things are fixed by the Father, and we will not know till we meet the Father. And we'll be like, why you did that? Why was this well, my family? Why was they like that? Like, you got a lot of questions to ask. That's okay. But some things you won't know. Don't let your questions distract you from the kingdom of God, from the work of the kingdom. Some things we won't know. Amen? And so what he says in verse 8 is this. Don't get too caught up on those questions and the mysterious things that you long to know, the promises that you feel in your heart. Know this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a promise, a promise from Jesus to the disciples. And what he is saying is first, we'll see that in the next chapter, the Holy Spirit is going to come down and it will be accompanied with power. And when he talks about power, He's talking about power to accomplish the mission, but speaking specifically to these disciples and apostles, it was power to preach and power for miracles. And it was through their preaching and miracles that people began not only to see the oral testimony, but they began to see the power of God through healing. And they saw people's lives radically transformed. And so... That power was only attached to this other thing he says. 
you will be my witness. The sick were healed. The lame began to walk. Lives were transformed. Demons were fleeing people's lives. People were blown away by the power that they had. And oftentimes we think, well, God will only use people if, if, I, if I could heal. Well, first of all, if I, was, if I could heal the sick, I'd be at Maimonides right now. I'd be at a hospital right now. I would be healing people right now. That's not what God gave me. But here's what he's given us all, power. But you have to understand, some people may have that. But the power is not the thing to focus on alone. The power is attached to the witness. He says, you will be my witness. And in being my witness, you will encounter my power. You cannot detach the power of God and not have the witness for God. Being my witness, and I love the language there because being a witness is an identity thing. This is who I am. I am a witness for the king. And then I've therefore experienced the power of the king. They're attached. You cannot separate the two. In separating the two and just wanting God's power unleashed in our lives, that's power for us to do whatever we want. But when you say, I am here to bear witness, to tell the story of the king, how he transformed my life, but also to let the world know how he can transform lives, you then experience power. Witness then must be part of your identity and it must also be your priority. The question when he says you, you will be my witness, it really comes down to who are you then? Are you in theater? Are you a witness in theater? Are you in medicine or are you a witness in medicine? Are you in tech or are you a witness in tech? Are you a witness in your family? Are you a witness in the gym? Are you a witness in the city? Because if you are a witness, you will experience the power of God in ways you cannot imagine, but he's gonna have you talking to people you would never talk to. And he's gonna have you doing things that you would never do. He will disrupt your life and he will disrupt other people's lives. He will give you power you never had and you'll start saying things you would never say. And you'll start going places you would never go. And you'll start praying for people you would never pray for. And your prayers will have more power because you're more aligned with the witness of God. The question really comes down to not just who is God, but who are you in the business? And who are you on the platform? And who are you when you are an influencer? And who are you in the theater? Are you a witness first? Because if you're a witness first, power is unlimited for those who will be fully submitted to the king. And don't you ever limit what God can do through you. Don't you ever limit what God can do through you. God can radically transform someone's life through you. Why? Because God is moving. God is moving and he chooses to use people. And when you say, I want to participate, you then join God in that move and the power to accomplish great things is right before us.
I pray for a spirit of submission over your life right now. And I pray that right now there are, listen, there are competing things in your life right now. There are, listen, there are competing identities in your life right now. There's a competition for your identity. And one of them is Jesus. Five of them are five, there's like six, six, five, six, seven, eight other things competing for your attention, but it's competing for your identity. And I'm saying that when you, when you prioritize the identity of a witness for the king, you then experience the power of the king. We want the power and the presence of God. Lastly, in Acts 1, 9 and 11, Jesus says this and then dips, which is a, an incredible walk off of a message. Like your closing illustration, you want it to be like, you know what I mean? The brother ascends to the sky, which I think is dope, right? Jesus, look, look, look at verse nine. Am I reading this right? Jesus says, and when he said these things, these things, so he's talking as they were looking on. So that means he's talking to them and he's going upward. Fascinating, fascinating. It's amazing. Listen, do you, are we, am I reading this right? Am I, okay. As, let's read it again. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud. Amazing. What an illustration. No concert has this on Jesus. A cloud took him out of their sight. Would you not be blown away by that? Would you not be like, yo, a cloud just came to get Jesus? Also note, I just want to also note, I get why people don't believe. Because, no, no, do you understand what I'm reading? A, cla a cloud Ubered for Jesus, came and got him, and took him to heaven. Did y'all read that with me? Okay, I'll just, that's, when people are like, I don't believe, I'm like, I get it, I get it, I get it. But look what happens. It says in verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into heaven? They're like, are you serious? A cloud, y'all didn't see that? But these are angels. And I want you to understand what the angels basically are saying. Why are y'all standing there staring up into heaven? They go on to say, this Jesus is going to come back the same way. And what they are essentially saying is, y'all, don't just gaze at Jesus as he leaves. You're still in relationship. He's coming back again. In just a day or two, you're going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. The angels are saying, don't just stand there gazing. Get ready to move. Amen. And sometimes in our walk with God, we just stand there gazing. God, I, I hope you do it. I hope, no, I don't know when you, you know, I don't know. Just when you're going, when you're going to Uber these blessings down. I don't know, Lord, just I'm waiting. And there is something about waiting on God, no doubt. But as Peter says, God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. The Holy Spirit is looking to make a move where you are. And he wants to make a move through you. Do not be frozen just in anticipation of what God's gonna do. 
What is the first thing right now you can be obedient to? What's the first thing that you, right now, right now, what is the thing that God is saying that's gotta move out the way so I can move? Listen, do you hear me? What is the thing that God is saying right now that's gotta move out the way so I can move? It's not about you. It's about his movement. He wants to do more than what he was doing last year, but there's some things, God, move this out the way so you can move. I don't wanna just stand and look in awe. Some of you are looking at who you were five years ago. You say, man, look at who I used to be. No, stop standing there. The same king that was ascending, he's, his presence is still here now. Some of you are looking in the future like, oh, when I'll be. No, no, stop standing and gazing. The presence of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. The power of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Some of you are looking down saying, man, I just, I wish I was like this other person. Stop looking down and start getting your mind on the king of kings. Some of you are gazing and staring and you're forgetting God wants to use you for action. And you are not less, you have enough. You have everything you need by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I am a witness because I am as broken as you are. There is nothing important about me. And just as it says in the book of James, Elijah was a man just like us, but he prayed. You're just like them. You're just like the disciples, but power came upon them. And if the Holy Spirit is in your life, then do not limit what God can do in your life because the Spirit of God is on the move and he wants to make his next move through you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Father, would you just come right now? Speak to us. Okay. Speak to us. Would you just lead us right now in a powerful way? Use this time. Use this time. Minister. Minister, minister. Some people were hearing right now, just some people when I was talking about gazing, they saw themselves gazing but not moving. Some people when I was talking about looking back and looking forward and looking, uh, looking down, they, they could see themselves. Holy Spirit, shift right now. Shift their gaze, not just on you. We need to keep looking to you, but we need to look to the Holy Spirit for power because God is not in heaven looking down. His spirit is with us, empowering us to do great things, great things, greater works. We shall do greater works, we shall do. There is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing that was limited to the New Testament that cannot happen in 2023. The same power that was in Jesus, the same power that was in the disciples, that same power is within you. Jesus is a boundary breaker. You, you put boundaries on yourself. He's a boundary breaker and he wants to break forth a new dawn, something new, something fresh. There is a message, there is a message. God has a message. You, you are not just in tech. You are not just in theater. You are not just a lawyer. You are not just a doctor. You are something so much more. The power of the Holy Spirit is in your life. And when you touch a patient, the kingdom of God is near them. When you, when you touch people, the kingdom of God is near. That's the message for your life. The message for your life is the kingdom of God. There is no other message, it's the kingdom of God. The presence of God, the power of God, the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the power of God. That's the message over your life. Every other purpose is secondary, tertiary, but the purpose of God over your life is to preach the kingdom. 
And you may be here one more year, 10 more years, 20 more years, two more months, but wherever you go, the kingdom is there. For the ends of the earth is where the kingdom must be preached. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, even now, fill us with your spirit because I want to be a part of your next move, Jesus. I want to be a part of your next move. I want to be a part of transforming someone's life. And so we ask you, Lord Jesus, help us to become more aware of your presence and more submitted to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 10.30 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.